Hi, my name is Barb Nangle. I'm the founder of Higher Power Coaching and Consulting. I want to welcome you to my podcast, Fragmented to Whole, Life Lessons from 12-Step Recovery. This is episode 48, Boundaries of Self-Containment and Self-Protection. I heard a keynote speaker at a national convention for one of my recovery programs share his story. And in it, one of the things he said was, I now have boundaries of self-containment and boundaries of self-protection. And I was like, whoa, holy shit, revelation. I had never thought about there being different types of boundaries before I heard that. Over time, I came to understand what those terms mean, at least for me. Boundaries of self-containment mean I don't have to spew all of my shit all over everybody. I don't have to give people too much information. I was the queen of TMI before recovery. I don't have to give people personal information if I'm not comfortable doing so. It also means that I don't gossip. One of the things I talked about in episode 12, Stop Gossiping, is that I really need, that if I really need to talk about a person or a situation to process it and get resolution, I contain that information. That is, I pick a healthy person to talk to about it. I don't talk to anybody and everybody about it like I used to. And if I need to process it again, then I go back to that very same person so that I'm containing the information. I'm not spreading it all over the place the way I used to. Boundaries of self-containment in this example mean I know what is healthy to share and not share, either because it's toxic to other people or because I'm putting myself in a vulnerable position by telling them personal information about me when I may or may not yet know if I can trust them. What's really interesting is that over time, I've come to realize that boundaries of self-containment are also boundaries of self-protection. It protects me to keep private information private or to keep personal information only between myself and people that I already know that I can trust. It used to be that I trusted untrustworthy people all the time, then blamed them. And I was afraid of intimacy because I was afraid of being hurt. And the reality was I was hurt repeatedly, but I blamed the other people for doing it. When if you circle back to how it all started, it started with me not containing the information, not protecting myself, sharing things that made me vulnerable with people who really didn't deserve to have that information because they hadn't earned my trust. And then they later used it against me. But I blamed them. I blamed them for being unsafe. And they were unsafe. But my part in that was that I didn't recognize them for who and what they were. I think somehow, maybe on some level, I thought if I just love them enough, maybe by some magic formula, they'll turn into a person who can actually be trusted or is not going to hurt me or is capable of intimacy. And now I know differently. I know that my part in all that was that I trusted people who were untrustworthy. 
Now to boundaries of self-protection. When I first started learning about boundaries, this was the kind of boundary that I understood. For example, I get to set limits with other people about what I will and will not tolerate. Some of the boundaries that I use for self-protection include time. I actually use time as a really important boundary for myself. I use my calendar a lot. I schedule much of my life. I'm the kind of person who likes consistency. It's healthy for me. I'm a planner. I like to plan things ahead of time. It makes me feel more calm if I have an idea of what's coming up. I'm willing to switch a plan because after all, it's my plan. I made it. I can switch it if I want to. But I do feel more secure in my life when I have an idea of what's coming up, where I need to go, what I need to bring with me, all that sort of thing. So I often use time as a boundary. For example, on outreach calls, I don't ever go over an hour. I time myself and I tell the other person when the time is running low, I only have about five minutes left so they know that it's time to wrap up. I do the same thing when meeting with someone in person. When I'm in person, I actually set a timer for 55 minutes and I let the person know that I'm doing so. And what that does for me is it sets a boundary of time around our conversation so that I am able to fully focus and be really present with the person in front of me. I'm not worried about, oh my God, am I going to have to cut them off or is this going to take forever? And I don't have to keep looking at the clock. I'm not distracted. I've already taken care of that from the very beginning. Here's another boundary of self-protection. The other night where um, a dear friend of mine in recovery was in really dire straits. So I invited them to come over to my house. And when they got there, I said, I'm going to set a couple boundaries with you. One is that I have got to do some cooking tonight because I prepare all my meals for the week. And I also really need to go to bed early. So I just want you to know that's what's going to happen. In about an hour, I'm going to start cooking. And also you're going to need to leave by 10. And what that meant was that I was 100% present with that person. I gave them a complete hour of my undivided attention. Then I said to them, all right, it's time for me to start cooking now. I need to cook while we're talking. So we're going to move over to the kitchen area. And the person knew this ahead of time. And I wasn't worried about taking care of myself, protecting myself, defending against anything because I had set a boundary around that. That was a self-protective boundary because other people's stuff couldn't leak into my stuff, in this case, my time. I was able to take care of myself while also taking care of someone else by putting myself first. Another time boundary example is that when I host a party, I list a start and end time when I invite people. Before recovery, I'd agonize at the end of the night about how to get people to leave, you know, because I didn't engage in direct communication and say things like it's time for everybody to go now. Now that I'm in recovery, people come to my party with the expectation that it ends at 1030. I've set the boundary ahead of time. Another way I've used boundaries of self-protection is through 
uh, my part-time job where I work and have a set hours every single week. It's the kind of position where I get all kinds of emails, etc. And I first started there, people would text me. So I set boundaries with them about how to communicate with me by saying to them, please email this information to me so I don't forget it. I had to assert that boundary a number of times before they finally got it. The reality is I'm only being paid for four hours a day and I'm only going to work for that organization during those four hours. I only log into my email for that job while I'm at the job. I don't do it outside of those hours. So when I arrive and someone says, did you read my email? I say, No, I just got here and haven't logged in yet to reinforce the fact that the hours they can expect me to work and attend to matters for that job are during my scheduled hours, not before and not after. That is a boundary of self-protection for me. I'm not letting other people invade my time and space because they're not paying me for that time and space. The expectation that I would do so outside the hours at work is just not fair to me. I get to live my life the way I want. And the way I want to live my life is that I get paid for the hours that I'm working. Other boundaries of self-protection that I have set include things like blocking someone on my phone or email. If you need to do that, it's a way of asserting a boundary that is self-protective. Another one is when someone is yelling at me, I might put my hand up to signal them to stop, non-verbally telling them, don't talk to me like that. That is another boundary of self-protection. I could go on and on about boundaries and how they've manifested in my life and what an incredibly important part of my recovery they've been. They've been one of the most important coping skills I've gained in recovery. But I think I'll stop with that. I did want to make sure to share this distinction between boundaries of self-containment and boundaries of self-protection on the podcast, because when I've shared this notion with people in person, they've found it to be quite helpful. Now, if you need help with boundaries and you're looking for someone to coach you through that, I just might be the right person given that I used to be a boundaryless person and now I have pretty healthy boundaries. If that sounds like something that you're interested, shoot me an email. My address is barb at higherpowercoachingandconsulting.com. May you have healthy boundaries of self-containment and self-protection. That's it for today. If you like what you've heard here, then you just might be interested in private coaching with me. If that sounds like you, head on over to my website, which is higherpowercoachingandconsulting.com and click on the contact menu. I'd be happy to schedule a consultation with you to help you make lasting changes in your life like I've made deep lasting changes in my life. My ideal client is someone who is ripe for change, but I'll coach anyone who wants to be happy, joyous, and free. So if that's you, shoot me an email. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Be sure to like and subscribe so you can be sure to get future episodes of my podcast. Thanks again.